It is a joy and a privilege to be here with you today. And I <clears throat> greet you further in the name of the Lord Jesus. I feel like we're sort of in recovery mode here. Um, but I believe that God has a blessing for us today. In fact, he has because he's already done that in the Sunday school and in the reading of the word here. And it is my prayer that somehow today uh, God would give us a piece of bread. That has been my prayer this morning. I was challenged with words that Dave read just a few moments ago when he said that the word of God is not bound. We have witnessed that just in the last few weeks, especially uh, with the teaching ministry in Liberia. And I'm going to tell you just a little bit about that. Sometimes what's of interest to us is not so much of interest to others. People tell me that when I talk about things that may not be of interest to others, and I think it ought to be that you're becoming a little senile, but I hope that's not the case this morning. What's of interest here, I hope, will inspire you as well. I know that you here are a very diligent mission orientation, and so maybe you will resonate with what I am about to share further here concerning the work in Liberia. But we answered the call to go to Liberia uh, to participate in the discipleship teaching ministry um, there in Monrovia, Liberia. And uh, it, it's, been a, it's been a tremendous blessing, and I want to tell you a little bit about that. Um, I hope this will be informative and above all to the glory of God, because this is not about us, and it wasn't our work for that matter. Liberia Biblical, it's called the Liberia Biblical Discipleship Ministries, to be official about it. And uh, this mission operates under the direction of Faith Mennonite Church from Lot, Texas. And so Andy Mullet from the past and Elmer Schmucker and Reuben Kaufman and others were instrumental in getting this started back in about 99, I think. 99, 2000 is when this mission started. They have three primary purposes, this mission does. The one is church planting. And uh, there are two churches presently. There's Light and there's Hope are the name of the churches. There's about 80 in membership there, predominantly nationals. They do operate two schools with about 350 students between the two of them. And so they have some fairly large schools. And then secondly, there's the biblical discipleship training which uh, we participated in. And this is a six-month course that starts in September and runs all the way into April. Three weeks at a time with a weekend between, excepting for over Christmas time, they take about a, a month off. And so students that enroll in this, uh, they, they need to be committed to follow through with it, unless there's something drastic comes in the way. 
what we were teaching, I taught the first series of this six-month series, which was the Biblical Foundations series. So we were teaching Biblical Foundations, which covers all the way from the creation to the ascension. And these are just Biblical foundational principles that shape our faith. Um, and uh, then thirdly, they also are in charge of the lamp and light correspondence courses. They are set up there to do the printing for the lamp and light courses. And presently, they have about 6,000 people that are taking the course all over Liberia. Uh, and, and so it's, it's a very large program. They are planning to continue to grow it. They just added one other national. They have three nationals in the office that are doing the grading and uh, keeping track of the scores and all of that. And the way it works is anyone that's interested in taking the discipleship training needs to have a certificate having completed the Lamp and Light course which is very good. And so people that come for further training have a good place to work from. So be praying uh, about that. It's a very, very good ministry. Liberia. I have not been in Liberia before, but it was a really good and, and interesting cultural experience for us. Unfortunately, and you probably know that there is a lot of corruption that's going on in Liberia. Drugs and crime, things like this are rampant, low morals and so on. Two things that are really important in Liberia, number one is religion and number two is education. What happens? And I'm only going to give you a little window here on the religious front. Uh, you can talk to the boys on the street. They'll frequent the prostitute at night and they'll smoke pot during the day. And, that, and you walk up to them and talk to them. You ask them what religion they have or, or who they are, and they'll tell you they're Christian. That's just who you are. Many, many people in Liberia call themselves Christian. And so this makes for a very interesting platform to teach doctrine and, and so on. What happens in the church? Pastors will preach fear and things to people that cause them to, yes, be afraid, fearful and all. And then they will say, but if you give a certain amount of money, it will free you. Okay. I am told that the offering basket will go around as many as six times in a morning in some of these churches. People will leave the church with nothing in their pockets. They've given it away for relationship with God. You understand. The same is true in education. Children will work hard in the schools to get good grades. When it comes to getting a certificate or to graduate as such, and, and no one seems to be able to do anything about this, 
but people in the school that have that kind of leverage will force young girls to sinful immorality for a good grade or for a certificate. It tears my heart out, but it is happening. And, and there's other ways that, that they're, they're, they're getting money. So when I say that corruption is rampant, I'm, I'm being really, really, I'm being conservative here. But th this gives us a little bit of a picture. Now, I must move quickly because I am supposed to be, uh, I'm not going to preach this morning. I'm going to allow my teacher heart to come out. So I'm just giving you a little bit of a, of a heads up there. A few things that were really a blessing, though, as we worked there, there were coconut trees right outside of our fence, and the gatekeepers were very accommodating. They'd say, you can have all the coconut you want. And uh, when I wanted a fresh coconut, he would take a stick, go out, and they were really good at just sailing the stick up. They'd knock a coconut out. They'd cut it up and get it ready for us. Fresh coconut, I tell you. You sit and study, and you now some of you can't understand about that, but but I love fresh coconut, and they raise peanuts. Liberia has good peanuts. They know how to roast them even. Yes, I mean, they are. They are really, really good. All right, now I want to tell you about the study, the class. This got really interesting. There was a class, there were eight of us, two teachers and six students. These were my students. We had a single man about 30 years old, who is presently in instruction. He is just a fine, fine young man. We had a deacon from one of the churches there, church plants. Uh, he's a commissioned deacon, also a fine young man. We had a man who is sort of on proving, but he was also commissioned as a pastor in one of the church plants. Uh, he is proving himself well. I actually heard him preach one Sunday, and he is, he is a thinking man, and I, I have high respect for him. Then we had one older man, about 72 years old, and he was just a dear brother. Just his faith was uh, simple, but he wanted to be sure that he understands what God is asking of him. He wants to be right. He was in the class. And then we had a Baptist pastor. He was quite learned, and of course his theology ran a little bit different. Uh, and then what really made it interesting is we had a senior Aladuda prophet in our class. Um, I, I had to Google for that because I didn't quite understand, but he's an Aladuda Aladura, we would say. Over there, it's an Aladura prophet. Not only was he a prophet, he was a senior prophet. So uh, this man, the, uh, you'll find that Aladura is a mixed religion. For example, they, they still do the sacrifice. Uh, a lot of emphasis on the old covenant. But he also claims to have the gift of prophecy and speaking in tongues and healing and these kind of things. So we have this man in the class, and he has a bit of a short fuse. He knows everything, out of all due respect, because he is a senior prophet. 
He sat right in front of me. We had students behind tables, and he sat right here. And I would watch him in the teaching, and when he was agreeing, he would sit like this, okay? And when he would sit back in his chair and cross his arms, then I knew that there was uh, something was grinding, uh, and what, what really triggered things one day was we had the older man got sick. He was running a fever. And I still don't know what happened to him, but he was running a fever. And uh, in the evening after class, we went over because he had gone and laid down. So we went over to him, and yes, he was warm. Well, when we left, Patrick was the Aladuda prophet. He had anointing oil in his bag. And uh, he immediately went and anointed the old man with oil. All right, well, I have no problem with that. But the next day in class, then, there were others in the class that did not appreciate the way he just kind of walked over everybody else because he, he's the prophet. Okay. And so, in the discussion, others had ways of raising questions that targeted what this man did. Yeah, and so all of a sudden, things started kind of coming apart. Now, I, I could understand, they're, they're English-speaking, okay, in Liberia. I could understand them if they spoke directly to me and they didn't talk too fast. We were okay. Usually in class discussion, if they didn't talk too fast, I, and I had a translator if I needed one, but usually we could communicate fairly well. But when two start talking, and another one joins, and then another one joins, and then they turn up the volume, and they turn and they go faster because, okay, and now suddenly we simply had to say, we beg you. Let Let's rephrase the question. Let's revisit the actual question. And then we will see what the word of God says. Everything becomes quiet. Now, in Liberia, there are three things that contribute to serious Bible study. It's the three R's, and they're not reading, writing, and arithmetic. They are riot revolution, and restitution. Does that make sense? Riot, revolution, and restitution. It's exactly what was happening here. There's a riot. Suddenly things just kind of, you know, they're shooting at each other and all. Revolution means that everybody quiets down. We go to the word of God and we say, by the authority of the word of God, this is what this means. This is the answer to this question. And then you see two men get up, and they walk around the table, and they shake hands with each other, and we come to a common ground, restitution. All right, so this is what was happening there. Now, the rewards of the teaching. 
at one point, the one brother gets up and he says, God is giving me a conviction in my heart. What I thought I knew and believed about the word of God is not correct. By God's grace, I am changing. Conviction in my heart. At one point, the Aladuda prophet raised his hands and he said, I want to say something. He said, I have become aware right now in this class that some of the things that I have been teaching my people are wrong. I will go back and I will tell them the truth. Now, this happened in the first three weeks. By the time six months are passed, I am told that some pretty amazing things can happen. That's the setting of our class. Pray for this, uh, for this teaching that is going on. Now, there are new teachers that come every three weeks. There will be somebody else that comes until this is finished. There is a warfare that is going on over there. We could feel it. Satan is not happy when people become aware of the error of their ways and they say, I, I was wrong. I'm going to change this and I'm going to tell my people what's right. Three years ago, and this has been going for three years now, they said three years ago Andy Mullet was there and he was teaching and he got sick. Actually, was admitted to the hospital and it kind of crippled the course just a little bit. He came back and continued on. Last year, one of the men that was involved in the class was in an accident, got hurt and missed, I think, a few classes by maybe a broken leg or something like that. And this year, we had the older man that got sick and he missed a few classes. And Kurt Kaufman said, every year that this teaching has been going on, something has happened. It's like Satan is just, hey, just after. There's a warfare that is going on. So remember to pray. Well, that's an overview. Um, just for the sake of, of information, Liberia Biblical Discipleship Center, this is what the brochure looks like, and I don't have extra ones. I should have uh, brought it along, and uh, I do have my study manual over at, at Joe's. Um, very, very, very good course. <clears throat> All right, further this morning, uh, a little bit more teaching, and I, once again, I do not have a deep theological discourse for us today. But I do want to call us together as a church to participate with the Lord Jesus Christ in the continual building of his kingdom, individually and collectively. And we want to look from the scriptures just a little bit more how this may be done. What is the dynamic? Somebody mentioned, uh, I think it was down in our Sunday school class, the idea was mentioned about being that the fisherman, Peter, had come up. And so that's where we're going to be going this morning, and I did not take time to do an overhead so I'm going to be using an acrostic to illustrate this morning. But uh, to start with, I'll call our attention to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 4 and verse 17 and following just a couple of verses there. 
Matthew 4:17 says that from that time Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now in our teaching these classes, repentance was sort of a, an overriding theme. All right, we're studying and we become aware that possibly our thinking either has been incomplete or it's been an error in some way and we say the way to repent is to agree with God that what I thought was right wasn't and I change my mind and I believe what he says and I order my life accordingly in my own words. And it came up again and again. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Verse 18, and Jesus walking by the sea of Galilee saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. If I were to give a title to the message, I would simply say, Fishers of Men the call to participate with Jesus Christ to build his church. I will lift just a few things out of here before we go into uh, the acrostic that I have. <clears throat> Noticing, first of all, that Jesus is building his church. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will never prevail against it. So we are called into cooperation with the great builder of the church to be fishers of men. Secondly, just lifting out of this passage, that repentance and obedience to the lordship of Jesus Christ is still the message of the gospel. Repentance and obedience to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Thirdly, Jesus is for the world. One aspect of Anabaptism is the ability for biblical belief to have literal expression both internally and externally in any culture of the world. Now, Anabaptism is much bigger than that but that's an important piece as pertains to our study today. <clears throat> Thirdly, the kingdom of heaven is where the will of God is done and his character displayed. The kingdom of heaven is where the will of God is done and his character is displayed. That happens here. It happens in Liberia. So I ask the question, what does working in cooperation with Jesus, the great builder of his kingdom, look like? We're going to illustrate that with an, a little acrostic. And I didn't do this in a, in a PowerPoint, but we're just going to do it this way to help us illustrate. 
<clears throat> now, we're going to use the idea of the fisherman or the fisher for the illustration. Jesus said, he called these disciples and he said, come, and they did. They left what they were doing. They forsook their nets and they obeyed the call of Jesus. <clears throat> so, fishers of men. There are seven words that help to define the meaning. What does it mean? What does it mean to be a fisher of men? Number one is to follow. Follow. It's the, it, it's the first word Jesus said to the disciples. He said, follow me, and I will make you a fisher of men. I heard a testimony this morning by someone in the back, I don't know who, you're, who you were, that said, you're losing your job. You're going to be looking for something different. How does that work? I encourage you, and I know this is a, maybe a general statement, but the first thing is to follow Jesus. Is God concerned about our work? Is he concerned about things that pertain to us? Of course he is. The call is to follow him. That, that's maybe a little bit of a sideline here. In Liberia, so much of the teaching is that you say the right few words. Now you are saved. And from there forward, it doesn't make so much difference how you live your life. Now, you don't have to go to Liberia to find that. All right. That's pretty popular thinking, is it not? That's not what Jesus said. The call is to follow him. Obedience in life. Yes. <clears throat> now, where are the fish? Well, in our study in Liberia, once again, we, uh, we went back to the beginning. Actually, before the beginning, God was. Okay, that's where we start. And there in Genesis, the very first chapter, in just the first couple of verses, it says that the earth was without form. It was void. It was empty. And it was dark. And it says that there was darkness on the face of the deep. Yes? There was darkness on the face of the deep. The deep meaning the water. Yes? It says that the Spirit of God then moved on the face of the water. And if we study that in context, we'll notice that it was right there where God divided light from darkness. Did he not? Okay. There was a dividing of light from darkness. So, let's just, let's just use the analogy that since the water was dark, and that's where the fish are, and God divided light from the darkness, and in him is light, he is the light, in him is no darkness at all, that God is asking the church to follow him to the darkness, to go to the darkness. That's where the fish are, all right? You're a fisherman. I hope you agree with me here. But we use that analogy here. <clears throat> Follow me. 
Let's say this morning that following and fishing are inseparable components. Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you a fisher. They're inseparable components today, following and fishing. The Gospels tell us exactly how it was done. Now, when we follow Jesus, he is in front. Simple. I am following someone, that person is ahead of me. As I follow, I notice his movements, I notice how he thinks, I notice where he goes. Following means that there is a way involved. Following means that there is a destiny involved. Following after means that there's a purpose involved. And following after ultimately means that there is becoming involved. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. These are the, a few of the things that come out here. And I have, to, I have to go very, very quickly here. Uh, I'm going to leave the examples. Jesus in the Gospels repeatedly illustrates to us how that works. The dynamic of fishing for men reaching out to the people. Ephesians 5.1 says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ loved us, we know what that looks like, as Christ loved us, and hath given himself for us, and offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Now that's a big package. Follow. All right, secondly, Let's look at another idea. I'm going to call that one being intentional. Being intentional. Intentional means that there's forethought, purpose. Fishermen are strategic. They know something about this. A good fisherman knows his business. His life depends on it if he's doing it for a business. First Peter 3 and verse 15 says, but sanctify the Lord God in your heart and be ready always to give an answer of the reason of the hope that is within you with meekness and fear. What that's saying is an intentional fisherman knows what to do when there's a nibble on his hook. Sanctify the Lord God in your heart and be ready and know what to do next. Okay? That's what it means to be intentional. It's the same thing that happened when uh, Philip, there in Acts 8, he's down there, the angel talks to him and he says, go down there to the desert between Jerusalem and Gaza. It's a dangerous place down there. Some things happened there, and, and he was to meet up with this man, and he did. And I don't have time to go there, excepting to say that when Philip came up beside this man and heard him read, and by invitation joined his chariot, he began at 
the place. He began at the place to open to this man the meaning. We join. We, we hear a conversation. Somebody in the class makes a comment about something. An intentional fisherman at least attempts to from that question or that idea to open the greater meaning. Sometimes we would be teaching and suddenly a man would raise his hand and he'd say, oh, God just opened my eyes. How could I miss that? Okay, being intentional. There's more. Thirdly, fishing involves sacrifice. We read about that, didn't we? We already talked. Fishing involves sacrifice in a tangible way. When Jesus called those men, they left their nets and their boats and their father, and they followed. <clears throat> Luke 9, 23. And I, I know I should be opening my Bible and reading all of these verses, but I, I hope you are following along here. Put it in your notes. Check it out for yourselves. Uh, uh, my time is maybe a little, little too either that or I'm not doing a good job with my time, but I will try to hurry. Luke 9, 23. Jesus said to them, talking, about the, talking to the disciples, they are walking together, and he said unto them, if any man will come after me, following, I'm coming after, this is what we're talking about, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. I can imagine that as the disciples were following Jesus, and Jesus began to talk about the things that are going to happen to him. In this context, he is telling them about his suffering. He's telling them what is going to happen and the sacrifice that he is going to make with his own life. He's telling them about this, and then he says to them that if any man comes, let him do this. And I can imagine the disciples were looking at one another and saying, you know what? Jesus didn't tell us about this. He didn't tell us about this. But in the context, Jesus, in explaining his suffering to them, was helping them understand what that means to they individually, the cost of following him. To be a sacrifice here. The call of the church is to be salt and light, to take that light to the darkness, and to take the salt to food. Okay? And I'd love to enlarge on that. Only this to say that the call of the church is to make the Lord Jesus visible, intelligible, and desirable to all people. It's what I'm going to say is the meaning of putting the salt to the food, okay? It's the same as taking the light to the darkness. <clears throat> I'm going to have to leave that idea. Let's look at another idea, fishing. Uh-oh. The H word is humility. H word is humility. The exercise of servanthood and humility. It's the idea of Jesus using our boat. 
Now, the context here, again, in Luke 5 and verse 1 through 8. Jesus is teaching down by the water. He is healing people, and they're pressing upon him. And Jesus is saying, I may need a boat. The crowd is pressing on him, and Jesus goes, and he steps back into a boat, and he says, push out just a little. It says that it was Simon's boat. Read this story. So it's very interesting. So now there he is using Simon's boat. Jesus is coming with new doctrine, strange doctrine, okay? Things that people hadn't heard before. And it's a little bit like Peter. All right, so Jesus is in my boat. And he's talking about these things. And then, of all things, he asks us to go out and let down our net for fish. Everybody knows it's the wrong time. Everybody knows this is not the place to fish. Everybody knows everything about Jesus' request doesn't make sense right here. Not only that, but there's a multitude on the shore that are all going to see this foolishness. Fishermen that know what they're doing obey the call of the master. All right. That's the point. Humility. Fishing for men is giving Jesus charge of the boat. My boat. Maybe it looks like it makes sense, and maybe it doesn't. The call is humility and servanthood. It's not my teaching. It's not my boat. It's not my word. It's me working in cooperation with the great builder of the church. And the call is to humility. Let's look at a a few others. Next word is envision. Envision, John 21. Again, a story about fish. And you know that story so well. Jesus is on the shore. The disciples are fishing. Jesus, or they're attempting to. Jesus calls out, and of all things, he calls them children. Have ye any meat? Seasoned men. They had been discouraged. Jesus had been crucified. Their hopes were dashed. They were sad. Peter said, it's all over. I go fishing. The others said, might as well join you. There they were. This is the backdrop to that story and vision. But when Jesus called them up, just fast forwarding here, and they're bringing that net of fish. You know how many there were? 153 fish. Great fish, it says, I think, there. And there they are, flopping on the shore. They had just drugged this net, and Peter's got big eyes. Okay? I think Jesus or Peter, is looking at this catch, and I think he already has a vision of what these fish would look like on his stand down in the market and what they're worth and all of that. And Jesus is telling Peter, Peter, do you see this pile of fish here? I'm calling you to leave that pile of fish, or to see that pile of fish through my eyes. It's my call to you, to the work of the, the ministry, feeding his sheep, and so on. Uh, it, it's, it's a tremendous story. Vision. Be a visionary. It's a part 
of being a fisherman. Let's look at the next word, reconciliation. I'm sorry, I'm not developing these points very well, but I'm going to let you think through that on your own. Reconciliation is a compelling theme of the Bible from the time that Adam and Eve broke relationship with God all the way to the ascension of Christ. That was the scope of our study, and we continually kept coming back to this idea of God working with his people, giving the law, helping them understand all the way through the Old Testament, and it was all in the great big picture of bringing God and man back into relationship, which culminated with Jesus on the cross when he dotted every I and crossed every T, bringing in the new covenant, and he said, it is finished, it is complete. Reconciliation, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And there's many other scriptures. Luke 24, 46 and following there, you could, you could look at that. It's a three-prong basis for missions. And finally, a servant's heart. <clears throat> a servant's heart. Every one of these, to follow, to be intentional, to sacrifice, humility, be a visionary, and calling people to reconciliation, must all filter through the heart of a servant, a servant's heart to be a fisher of men. <clears throat> so likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. You know, at the, at the end of the day, we say we're unprofitable servants. Matthew 10, 25. It is enough for the disciple to be as his master and the servant as his Lord. So, this morning, as a congregation, be followers of Jesus' character, his methodology, and his heart. Be intentional with your assignment. Be intentional with your call. Be sacrificial. Remember, no price is too high. Be humble. Make the Lord Jesus visible, intelligible, and desirable to all men. Be a visionary. See all people as candidates for the kingdom of heaven. Oh, I was going to just comment there. When Jesus fed those 5,000 people, that was a tremendous story. There they are, out there. They've got these people. They're hungry. It's time to send them home. And Jesus said, we can't do that. They'll faint by the way. The disciples over there in Liberia, they would have said they had five biscuits and two bony fish. That's the way they interpret that. Five biscuits and two bony fish and 5,000 people. Jesus said, disciples, in my words now, as he looked at that group, he said, we have 5,000 people in our net. We've got 5,000 people in our net. What can we do to give life to these people? 
All right. Help others be reconciled to God. Be a servant to God and to the church. Matthew 24, 46. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, will find so doing. Yes, we'll find so doing. I hope these few thoughts can encourage us to be proactive wherever God calls us, and we don't have to go to Liberia to be a fisher of men. It was a great privilege to be there, but I encourage you as a congregation, be fishers of men right here in Catlett, Virginia. Let's just bow our heads to pray. Father, we are thankful that you call us to participate in the great work of your kingdom. Our desire to just be humble servants that can, you can use to in some way accomplish that great purpose. I pray, Father, that today, as we've thought about these few things, that it would stir within us a flame, a desire to do even more, Lord, in the great, uh, with the many opportunities that we have here and in other places. Bless this service further, and again, bless each heart that has been here today. Give you our thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.